This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. G'day, it's Lols here. Now, this next guest, she's neck level. Her name is Jackie Bell and she is an ultra marathon runner. So that means she does ultra marathons. A regular marathon is like 43 kilometres or something along those lines. An ultra marathon is like 250 kilometres. She just did one in New Zealand that was 323 kilometres in one race. Jackie is the youngest person in the world to complete ultra marathons on all seven continents in one year. Uh, Jackie's also a Jaybird athlete. That means that uh, they kind of sponsor her and they've made all these epic videos that you can find on YouTube. And trust me, you'll go down this rabbit hole and watch her running through this incredible terrain. This chick's had her battles. She opens up about mental health. Jackie is refreshingly real deal. She's a Queenslander and she loves what she does. I hope you enjoy this episode with Jackie Bell. This guest freaking excites me. My headphones aren't plugged in, I just realised. Do you need me close to this? No, you're perf. Oh, there we go. There. Can you hear yourself better now? I'm going to keep that little bit in. I like it a bit of nacho. (laughs) My boyfriend who edits this, Matt, he'll be like, Lola, I cut it. I cut the front bit. (laughs) I'm like, you got to know that it's hard to do this stuff. Okay, this guest, Jackie Bell, mate, you are friggin' incredible. You are an endurance runner, an ultra marathon runner, and please correct me because you've, from what I can gather, you've set uh, an F ton of records. <laughs> so, like, the youngest person <laughs> in the world to complete ultra marathons on all seven continents. Is that correct? You are correct. You are amazing. And are you 24 years old? I'm 24, yeah. Far, way to make me feel – I'm 10 <laughs> years older than you, mate. Way to make me feel like an underachiever. I didn't know that, so it's fine. Well, I've just shared that, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so you're from Brizzy? Yeah. I have a theory, and, and I apologise to any other people that don't live in Queensland. I think Queenslanders are generally and, – and Perth people are the most chill, like real Aussie, lovely kind of people. Like Sydney people are kind of on a mission, and I love that too. Yeah. And Melbourne people are like super creative, but also kind of like go get it. Like it's this weird – I actually agree, yeah. We're kind of like, all right, let's just go do it. Yeah, and you kind of like what you see is what you get. Yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Okay, your story is one. Sorry that I have my phone here. I usually don't have phone in studio, but we are both on this incredible time crunch and it's actually a miracle that we're here. Yeah. You flew in this morning? Yeah, I flew in uh, like an hour or two ago. Snuck in some brekkie with your bro. Yeah. And then met me here. We're going to pump this out. And then you've got Tally tomorrow. That's my word for TV. <laughs> yeah. Mate, you don't stop. No, it's uh, it's been a whirlwind since it was only a week ago I got home from San Francisco. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Far out. And that's the thing. So this is where I got really, do you know what I said? Are you serious? Siri popped up uh, on my phone. Um, that's the thing that kind of got me um, 
with you. I was looking at your timelines, all this stuff you'd done, and I was like, oh, okay, great. I, I was like, okay, well, I literally made a list of all these places that you'd been to. I was like, okay, so she's done the Four Deserts Grand Slam. She's done Alps to Ocean. But now I was like, then I'm like Fire and Ice in Iceland. Yeah. So can you explain just to, for listeners out there that are like Four Deserts Grand Slam, like not obviously we're not talking about the Australian Open here. <laughs> Like, give us a little bit of a taste of what that involves because then I started looking up kilometres that you run and it's like one was 250, another one was 323 kilometres in New Zealand. Am I hitting the right kind of ballpark? You are, yeah. So to put that into perspective, um, I always explain it to people. um, Do you ever wear a watch and you're like, oh, my God, I want to hit 10,000 steps today? Yes. Yeah, okay. So in these races um, on the long day, I'll do sometimes 120,000 steps in one day. No. So on average in one of these weeks, I'll do maybe 420,000 plus steps. So that kind of like gives you a bit of an understanding. Because kilometres, you're just like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of kilometres, you know. Um, but, but yeah. mate, I go for like a run in the morning. I'm like, 3K? Perf. <laughs> good, <laughs> good job. Lots sneaky. Like, or I'll be like, I'll, t- I'll just go for a time. I'm like, I'll just go for a 20-minute little jog. And then I was reading this and when I read like 323 kilometres, I was like, I think you might be going a bit easy on yourself there, lols. <laughs> um, so explain to me, like, so you just – you got back a week ago from San Fran, but, like, explain to me, like, just so people can understand, like, what, and I'm sure that they're all completely different, but, like, what does a competition involve and what's a day like? Because I read you can be, like, mate, seven days straight in Antarctica or something and it's, like, is it like you're literally running and moving all day long and you only rest at night time? So the way it works is they're called multi-stage ultramarathons and you run approximately a marathon a day. So about 40 kilometres to 50 kilometres a day. It depends on the course. And then on day, usually three or four, they make you do a double marathon. So you do anywhere from 80 to 90K. How do you um, eat poo? Sorry to ask about pooing, but how do you eat poo and sleep? So you carry everything on your back for the week, so all your food, clothes and everything, but you only wear like one pair of clothes anyway. Yeah. Um. So your pack, uh, like in the race one, it was 13 kilos, which is heavy. And then as I got better at packing my gear and more efficient and minimalistic, it's mm. now about seven kilos. Oh, wow. And um, so eating-wise, you wake up in the morning at about, I don't know, 4 or 5 a.m., depending on the day. Yeah. And you usually have some oats and water. Yeah. I hate oats now after doing so many of these races so i just eat straight peanut butter for breakfast um don't know about the nutritional benefits but no we're getting fat protein and good calories so you get good energy and then you um you everyone starts at 8 a.m you all start as a group and you kick off together and it's a race so it's like go and then um you know you can complete uh, the day in five hours or some of the back of the pack are completing it in maybe 10 hours. And oh. you rock up to camp and they set up your tent for you, which is good, and then you fall to sleep on the ground with like seven, eight other people around you in a nice small little smelly tent. Oh. <laughs> So how, so you make so you, you like do your crazy hours in the day. Yeah, you get home. Yeah, and they're not so sorry to camp. Yeah, do you, what do you eat for dinner? Um, so then during the day while I'm running, that's lunch, and I'll just have like um some Cliff bars or yeah. gels or something. Yeah. Um, and then I have like my true protein endurance drink kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then finish running, have a protein shake, and then I wait a few hours and then just have a dry meal. So like those army meals kind of thing. Yeah. So it's yeah, just yeah. uh you add hot water to it, which they give you, and then yeah. 
And you have to carry that with you on your back. Yep, yep. So you go, like, you know, back home, you're like, oh, that has 500 calories. I uh, probably don't get that. But out there, you're like, what has the most calories? Totally. You need yeah. energy. I That's like survival. And you're also burning incredible amounts. I had a 100K race last Saturday um, and I burnt 11,000 calories. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that, that one blew my mind. I was like, oh, my gosh. After an event, though, like say you've finished that, so, for example, that race you did last Saturday, yeah. do you then kind of try and load after and before? Um, the, Like the night before I had pasta and some wedges at the, like, race because we stayed there overnight. It was at the Sunshine Coast. But like wedges as in chippies. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, but then, like, during the day of the run, you just can't really stomach much. And yeah. then even the next two days, you just don't feel like much. Your yeah. body's kind of, like, in this weird um yeah you don't really feel that hungry so um and then after these big races now I try not to go too crazy because it's like a fad diet for the week yeah and uh it's not good for you to then go and you know overeat all this fun stuff in excess but I'll definitely have a pizza or something when I finish oh good (laughs) yes yes of course man okay so I have watched these incredible videos of you on YouTube and it's like you're in these incredible terrains all over the world, might I add. And there was one when you were in Antarctica and there's like a little penguin just chilling like two metres yeah. from you. And yet you're just like in the zone. And then I think they, were, they cut to you and you were like, it's just a mind game today. Like, and, and it's like one foot in front of the other. I imagine also you're freezing. And then I see some video of you like dunking your whole body and head <laughs> under the water, like with icebergs pretty much. What? Can you take me through that day? I know I'm going off so many tangents here, but I just, it's so fascinating to me athletes because I think you have a completely different mindset or you've tapped into a different part of your mind. Yeah. So Antarctica was um, quite different to the other races. Like the other races you start in one spot and you you don't go back to that same spot for the rest of the week, whereas Antarctica you sleep on a boat. But then the downfall is you go to a different island every day um, and the loops are only sometimes 1.2K long. And you're doing that loop 14 hours. Um, so you can be doing 45-plus loops of this, you know, 1K, 1.5K. And so there's a video where I'm like, I feel like I'm a hamster on a wheel right yeah. now. And it was really hard to stay motivated. I had a bit of a tantrum. I think I threw a pole or something. Um, oh, mentally that would challenge you. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And it was just, re- yeah, it was really tough in Antarctica with that. But, like, it looked as good as pictures and videos um, kind of shot. It's just so pristine. Does the air feel really clear there? Yeah, it's uh, it's like really fresh and um, it, it actually got hot one day though. Really? Yeah, it got really hot one day. Um, I ha- You take like your little food in a little container kind of thing across for the day and you put it on this tarmac because they're really um, specific about not contaminating Antarctica. Yeah. And I had a salami stick in there, a chocolate bar and some goo kind of um, yeah. chews. Anyway, the sun melted my chocolate, so but then it refroze it. So I had a salami stick stuck with chocolate and chews, oh. and I just went for it and ate it in one go. Um, oh no! <laughs> but like the first few loops, you were running in snow that goes up to your hips, and as a team, like I think there was sixty of us or something, you meant to run the first few loops and try and stomp down all the soft snow. Yeah. Whereas I was a bit cheeky, and I just kept stepping in the person in front of me's footsteps, yeah, yeah. and everyone's yelling out, "Jackie, stop!" And I was like, "Oh, come on." <laughs> oh, I like it. You got a cheeky streak. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's yep. so good. Okay, so all this stuff sounds so amazing to me and I can't wait to hear more stories about it. But the stuff that's like 
obviously you're all about challenging yourself mentally and physically, but I think to challenge yourself physically, you've got to have this mental stamina and strength and tenacity that a lot of people would be like, what? Like, and myself, I'm like looking at these videos of you going, oh my God, like that's incredible. But I know, like, I know that's not within my skill set and, and, and also not within my strength. Um, but you've been through, like you've had, and this podcast is called Fearlessly Failing. It's about failing, kind of like failing forward, like yeah. failing, being like, yeah, I'm at rock bottom, bottom, I feel shit, but what can I do? Like what what's the good to come out of this? And you've openly shared times when you've just been like, well, you even before we went on, you're like, and that was my rock bottom. Like, but And it sounds like from what you said, it was like a year and a half of just like blah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Start at the start. Did it start with the um, addiction to painkillers? So going kind of way back, I played um, a really high level of tennis um, oh. when I was a kid, and um, I tell this story sometimes in some of my talks. People are like, "How'd you get into running?" And I actually, I'd be you know thirteen, fourteen, yeah. and um, I didn't have pushy parents at all. It was me going into my dad's room at four a.m. in the morning. And I'd be take like, me, Dad. Take me to tennis and feed me balls for two hours. I want to be better. And so he'd take me to the courts, and um, I had a real tantrum. Like I'd have a tantrum though, and I'd throw my racket. I'd swear. So he'd pick up the balls and leave. And I'm like, yeah, 13, and I'd have to run 7K home from the tennis courts. <laughs> and I'd be Go crying dad. and I'd be like, this is the worst. Yeah. And I'd get home and my mum would be like, well, now you're going to be late to school as well. Great. So I kept having tantrums, so I had to get faster at this run. Yeah. So that was kind of my first test taste to running, I guess. Um, and then on from that, like I was competing in tournaments every weekend. So I've always... Tennis tournaments? Yeah, tennis, yeah. Um, yeah. I always was competing and I loved the competition and kind of gave me that purpose and drive and everything. Um and, yeah, I'd wake up in the morning and be like, all right, I've got tennis today. Um, and then kind of skipping ahead a few years, I, I stopped playing um, and I just didn't really have that, like, that outlet of competitiveness and that drive. So I found myself um, – I was playing different sports and whatnot, but then I was playing AFL and that's when I started breaking bones. Oh, I could see you doing AFL. Yes. I love, I'm from Melbourne, so I love AFL 40. I'm a big fan, yeah. Who do you go for? Um, I'm a North Melbourne girl, wow. um, but I'm also a little bit Brisbane Lions. You have to be, right? Yeah, That's exactly. like yeah. You can't be from there and be like. Anyway, because I digress. So you got into um, AFL. Yep, um, and then from there I broke five bones within What'd like break? ten months. Broke a wrist um, and uh, there's like a uh, photo montage of me getting tackled, it breaking, um, and, yeah, it snapped completely. (laughs) Broke my wrist and then first game back after that heel, broke my other wrist. Um, Then I broke my foot playing tennis um, and then I broke two of my toes. So... Mate, and so and so you obviously, to manage the pain after you've gone through the healing of it, they're giving you, is it like oxy? What are they giving you? Yeah, so the... Uh, the bone breaks weren't like super simple. They kept they put the cast on, and then my hand kept swelling and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was in agony. They were mm. bad. So I'd go to the hospital, and I didn't even know that they were like giving me all these painkillers and mm. stuff. And um, that was kind of my first um, kind of. Uh, introduction to it, I guess. Mm. And then later on down the line, um, a few months later, I had my tonsils out. Yeah, and I this. Um, yeah, they kind of you know pump you with endone and stuff. Mm. And I um I just got hooked. I, I didn't really realize, but um I would just ring my doctor and be like, you know, I ran out of uh, my scripts. Mm. They just give you more. You just ring up again. Oh, I lost it. They just give you more. So it was it wasn't hard to get. Um, 
and I was still highly functioning kind of thing. Yeah. Like, um, and you've met me already for probably half an hour and I'm like so high key already. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hey. but you're a straight shooter too. Like you just, I, I can see that you would have been like, hey, this feels good. Yeah. I'm going to get more of this. Yeah. And, and also I've, I think I've read where you said you're almost chasing that little, that little, it's almost like a fake euphoria that yeah. comes with it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was like complete euphoria. You know, there's all your issues are just like see you later. Yeah. Um, and and then kind of when things got really bad, you know, I started running out, so I was taking party drugs and, um, yeah, just chasing that high, I guess. What kind of party drugs? Like ecstasy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah pretty much all that sort of stuff. Um, That's all right. We talk we talk about all that stuff on I here. Don't worry. No, 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 mate. No, 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 no. Trust me, you're in, you're in a very safe space. You can talk about ecstasy, coke, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, we had the wonderful, this incredible spiritual healer on yesterday and she... Um, is like a f- really successful spiritual healer and hippie and stuff. And she's like, yeah, I'm an ex-heroin addict. <laughs> as soon as I said, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible though, like blows yeah. you away. Like you're just like, you know when you meet like an alien, yeah. one of those kind of ones where you're just like, you're amazing and just owned it. Yeah. Like and also I think I used to be a DJ. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I didn't party. Yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just um, – Okay, so how long did that kind of dependency on the painkillers go for? So that was for about a year and then I I knew that like something, you know, things weren't good and um, I just was, after doing it so much, I wasn't happy without it and so that's when I was like, all right, you know, um, I need to change something. So I went to Bali and did my yeah. yoga teacher training and I really had no intention of teaching yoga um, but I... I thought that it'd be a really good life course. I read in the um, the thing, it's like find your true happiness again, yeah. and that sounds so like corny, but I was like, all right, sign want, me up. I want to do that. So um, I signed up to that, and my dad, I think he knew that things were really bad, and he went halves with me in paying for it because he's like, you know, I understand you don't want to go see a psychologist or something, but he's like, um, go do this. And when I was over there, I actually got a job in a gym because I was training in a gym every day and um, it was called Bali Fit and it was this awesome, like, really big gym. Um, they ran retreats there and everything. So yeah. it was like a dream job. Um, and then, yeah, it was a week after completing the yoga teacher training. So you did 200 hours? Yep, 200 yeah, hours. Um, good girl. And I was like the baby of the course and mm. we did all these meditation things and it was so funny seeing me do it. Everyone laugh because half the time I just fell asleep during it. Easy to do. <laughs> but I gave it a red hot crack, you know. Yeah. Um, they say yoga finds you too. So it's interesting that yoga found you at that stage where you were like, I don't really want to see a psych, I want, yeah. but I, I know something's got to change. Yeah. Yoga does find you when, for me, it found me when my values, I wasn't living my true values. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, a week up, so you finish your yoga teacher training, love and life, and P.S., everybody that does yoga teacher training is like, I'm never going to teach. Next minute, they're teaching. <laughs> yeah. Have you taught? Um, I've taught like a few stretch classes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I got a job working in a gym, like more running the like high-intensity classes yeah, cool. and stuff. That um, makes sense. So, yeah, it was good. <laughs> okay, so a week after the yoga teacher training, that's where you were in the... Yep, I um I was working the job, everything was great, and then I was just scootering to dinner mm-hmm. um to meet up with some friends mm-hmm. and it was probably about five PM and I was just in like Brow, which is right next to Chengu, mm-hmm. and um scootering along and I had a little handbag across my waist. Yeah. And then these two Balinese guys were scootering beside me and I felt kind of a tug on my handbag. And then, yeah, the third tug, everything just kind of went Because it was across your body, so when they tugged the handbag, you went flying as yeah, well. Yeah, I went with it, so. 
Did they stop and help you, or were you just like? No, oh. they uh, they stole it on purpose. They were like after my my. But bag did they get it off you? It snapped. Oh. Yeah. Um. So it just snapped completely, and then uh, I don't I don't know. They took off with it. They got my phone and like twenty dollars or something, buggers. And then you went rolling. Yeah, I, I think so. I went. Uh, I don't know what happened, but I was then transported between five different hospitals <gasps> over ten hours. Um. Because they thought I had bleeding for brain and yeah. then, um, like, they didn't have an ICU and, a, like, brain scan machine all the same hospital. So they kept transferring me. Yeah. So how how long did that – so was that – how long were they transferring you for with those five different hospitals? Uh, was it was, that? like, over 10 hours. Oh, my God. Just yeah. kind of, like, yeah, freaking yeah. out From that you might have and a brain bleed. I was completely out of it. At one hospital I was running around and I was like, let me see myself in the mirror because I think at that point I knew something was pretty wrong. And I think I saw myself in the mirror and I was like, holy shit. Like, this is Had you called your parents at this stage? Um, so by the time I, like this was happening, it would have been midnight. And I remember like I thought they were stealing my organs as well at one point. And I'm oh, like, far I'm out. not a dramatic person, but I was completely out of it. Yeah. And, I was like, and you're in Bali, not me- Mexico. That's Mexico. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, <laughs> holy crap. So then they Still up- scary because it's third I world. Know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then so I had someone's phone and I was just on their Facebook and I was messaging a few people in um in actual Bali and I was like help me like I'm in a hospital yeah. and uh but the people I was messaging never had their phone on them so mm. that was a dumb move Jackie but then I think uh some people um uh wrote in the Chengu community page like this girl Jackie Bell or this girl on this scooter had an accident and then some people started to put together and great um, okay. after about 12 hours um, friends were at the hospital oh like, epic done the yoga teacher training with great okay. yeah because there's nothing worse than being and I can I can hear and feel you're like fiercely independent, but yeah. it, there's nothing worse than like feeling helpless. Yeah. And when you know you need help, whether you like it or not, and being like, "Oh, I'm in another country." Yeah. It's not Western. No. You know, and so you do feel like like I haven't been to a Balinese hospital. A lot of my family have, and they're just like, it's probably you wouldn't compare it to an Aussie hospital, right? No. And like I was I was in all sorts. They um they were trying to clean out my wounds while I was awake, and I was like. <gasps> passing out and then laughing and then crying and then they realised that, like, they had to do surgery because I you just possibly – I had so many open wounds over my whole oh body. Oh, my God. So my friends had to ring my parents about, look, we need credit card details. Like, they're not going to – they wouldn't do anything to me until they had money. So I think they had to pay, like, five grand straight up. No. Yeah. Um, so it ended up being about $30,000 in medical fees. In Bali? Yeah. Did you get any of that back? No, I had holiday insurance for that yoga course. Yeah. And then I was there on my first week and <gasps> I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll look at residency insurance, you know, this week or whatever. I'd just been talking to people about it. And you were going to live there? Were you going to stay? Yeah, I was going to stay. I got this job in this, um, in oh, this gym. Oh, my God. So, um, yeah, see you later, $30,000. and No. Um, yeah, it took them about six, seven hours in uh, surgery to, like, clean all my wounds out um, and everything. Did your parents come over or anything? I told them not to because I had about 20, 30 friends there from the yoga course that were taking good care of me. Yeah. And um, they were actually – they'd driven two days down um, – south in australia and they're uh two days into a houseboat trip with oh their my friends God, so they're to- so and so they ended up getting off the boat which was meant to be like 15 day houseboat trip oh. see you later on the holiday um they had to get like a taxi back to their car and then they drove home so i screwed up that trip for them oh. <laughs> um and yeah they were going to come over but i was like there's nothing you can do i'm in good hands now um 
Oh, how yeah. strong are you? I'd be like, Mum, Dad, Come get here now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I need friends. Uh-huh. But it sounds like you had such good support. How long, because often when you have that kind of an injury, mm. you can't fly back straight away. No, I think I was in hospital for about 10 days. Yeah. Um, and then I was finally fit to fly home, like just. Um, and they had to like wheelchair me through and everything. Oh, my gosh. And um, it's oh, the worst nightmare. The worst people at the airport, though, some people were like, oh, do you have a Bali action on your scooter? And I'm like, uh, can you F off? Yeah, but it's also, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, yeah, I got pulled yeah. off. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I got to fly business class for the first time. So oh, the bizarre. silver lining, mate. Couldn't really eat any of the nice food because my face was all puffy. So. Oh, no. Yeah. Did it feel good to come home, though, and just be grounded around your fam? Yeah, it was uh, It was really nice to come home and kind of be like, yeah, I'm alive. Like, it was, Far yeah, out. it was pretty scary. Um, so you've come home, you've got, yes, you're alive, but I imagine you're in a lot of pain. So did the painkiller stuff happen again? Did that kind of re re-wrap its head again? Um, so I came home and then I, like, recovered at home and everything mm-hmm. and actually wasn't on any real strong painkillers mm-hmm. after this. Um, and then after about a month of recovering, I went back to Bali and was working in my job. They held my job for oh, me. Oh, wow. And I was like, you know what, I'll go back because um, I loved it there and everything and I didn't want, you know, this accident to kind of, um, room Bali for me or tarnish that experience. Yeah. Um, also, you don't take the word no, I imagine. Like someone's like, you can't do that. I've got a quote from you. It's like, <laughs> it's like as soon as someone gives me resistance, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So like Bali gave you a bit of res- resistance and you're like, I'll see you in a month. I'll see you soon. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then I was, I was doing pretty good and it was, I lived in Bali for I think another eight months then Um and I came back home and – but I don't think I'd fully um, kind of realised what had happened in the accident yeah. and, um, like, a few different things that were going on with me. I kind of just swept under the rug sort of thing. Like mental health kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, I was kind of just figuring a few things out in my life and yeah. whatnot um, and came home and that's when I really hit rock bottom. I um, I was off the rails. I was – um back into partying i was i got fired from a job and um, why why they fight i um i was just partying and we were partying with people from like at yeah. the gym yeah and they were all partying as well but i was down in melbourne um yeah. and but i just like couldn't really hold myself with that yeah. sort of stuff as yeah. well as they could yeah um and yeah, so I ended up getting fired from a job and, like, it was impacting my friendships and my mm. family were like, what is going on with you? Mm. And um, and that's when I was like, holy crap, like, I don't know where I'm going to end up unless I make a big change. And totally. um, that's kind of when the ultramarathons started off. And then you turned this, like, like, I feel like you're someone that always needs to have something that's, like, occupying you. And I yeah. mean that in the best way. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. think, like, A-types kind of need that. Yeah. And it's like you've turned this trait of yourself into such a positive where you're like, all right, I'm going to do something that is really challenging. Most people in the world can't do it and I'm going to give it my fucking all. Yeah. It's pretty empowering. Yeah. It, it's been like a crazy two years to think of the the kind of the turnaround and, um, yeah, it's just kind of like a little thing. Like I said, people are like, well, how 
could I overhaul or, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I said, well, I just started running a little bit each and every day and now it's just something I do. And that little bit of running each day kind of just helps me in every aspect of my life. Yeah, I saw an interview with you and you're like, I do it mainly for your mental health. Yeah, Yeah, because it clears your mind. Like you feel really – I was on the phone to my boyfriend this morning I was like, oh, I've only done one run while I've been in Sydney. Yeah. And I'm like, it just sets you up for the day. It clears your mind. You're mentally like, tick, I want to be healthy today. Yeah. I've done – I've moved my body. I've sweat. Like you've got the endorphins. It's so powerful. It really is. It's free. Yeah. You can just see nature. Okay. And I never thought it was going to turn into this. You know, I signed up. I was originally just going to do one uh, multi-stage across Australia. Yeah. And then I started researching more and then I was like, oh, my God, this is racing the planet thing. And then (laughs) three deserts in, I was like, I really enjoy this. And then next minute I've done seven of them and I just – can't stop thinking about running. I just want to run all the time. And you're not even 25 yet. <laughs> you probably – when do you turn 25? Uh, December 29th, so coming up. Not that so – well, what, does that make you a Capricorn or does that make yeah. you – Yeah. I love Capricorns. <laughs> My brother's a Capricorn. They're go-getters. Mm-hmm. He actually just graduated yesterday as a Navy clearance diver. Like that same – you know that same like tenacity yeah. where you're just like – they'd keep him doing pool drills in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's... And be like, get in the ocean now. Like, like crazy. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I think it's part of the training. It's interesting. I actually got a question last night because um, I always say to people, I didn't want to turn this, like, my addiction into another addiction. And I don't... In my eyes, I haven't. Um, I I have, like, a balance with everything. But yeah. I think because I came from that tennis background of, you know, 30, 40 hours a week of tennis, the... The running, you know, 30 hours a week, that isn't like an addiction for me. That is just uh, what I'm always used to in my life. Also, I think passion and addiction are two different things. I agree. And I think that you're passionate about what you do. I think addiction is when it does affect your health. Like it does affect your – and like obviously, and I was thinking about this with you, like as soon as we confirmed this interview, I got so excited. And I was like, (laughs) is it hard to hold down a relationship? I've been single for five years. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. And I had a little stalk on your Insta because I was trying to figure it out and be like, I've got to suss it. Um, but I imagine like, and it's not out of it being an addiction, but I mean it's out like you probably will have to find someone that is also passionate about something mm. or at least gets it. Yes. Like back before it was more just because I was travelling and um, like all that sort of stuff. But now I was chatting to my best friend the other night. I was like, it's really hard to find someone that kind of, gets what I do like I'll go on a date and it'll be like oh so you work at the gym for five hours a week what else do you do yeah like oh like I run a little bit you know and <laughs> yeah you're but you, but own it you got you're I'm 10 years older than you can I give you yeah. some like friendly like oh, old, older person advice fucking own it mate yeah. like I even was at an event last week and I got invited to a mummy blogger event, which I'm not really a mummy blogger. I don't have kids. I'm not pregnant. Like, yeah. I don't, and I didn't know anyone, but I love this fashion label that the event was for. And this mummy blogger came up to me and she's like, So, who are you and what do you do? And I was like, Ah, uh, I just teach a bit of yoga. Yeah. So, I did the exact same thing that you do. Yeah. And I'd already kind of like talked myself down. I was like, You idiot, Lola. I'm like, You've written 10 freaking books. Like, why can't you just be like, I'm a cool person too. Yeah. yeah. And I don't and I think it's an Australian thing like It is hard to be like, oh, like I would never say to someone, I'm the youngest person run across every continent in the world. I'd be like, You're a douchebag, Jackie, do not say that ever. No, but you could be you could be like, I'm a professional yeah. ultramarathon runner. Yeah. That is my job title. Yeah. You know, like um I think there's no harm in doing and there's no ego in that. And I yeah. think 
that's where, again, it comes from a passion thing. Yeah. And it's like I'm sure if anyone meets you within about three minutes, we're going to get talking about your passion. Well, I know. I want to yeah, know what yeah, makes yeah. people tick. Yeah. So I do want to know more about this. I know we don't have you for loads of time, but I'm like yeah. there's so much stuff that I'm just like, oh, you're my kind of human, yeah. yeah. Even when I saw you, I was like, come in, mate. Like, <laughs> husky voice crew. I know, right? I love it. So did you figure out that I had a husky voice or did your manager tell you that? Uh, Kira mentioned it too. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I said something about my husky voice and she was like, no, no, I think she's got a little bit of a one. Yeah, yeah. I remember I got laryngitis once and people were like, you've got the sexy voice, like the sexy <laughs> call-up phone at night time. And I was yeah. like, I don't think that that's a compliment. <laughs> um, there's another quote I found from you. I can't do anything half-heartedly. I can't do anything that doesn't mean something to me. And I love it. And I'm guessing is that why you do what you do? Is that why you're doing this? Yeah, I guess um, like I can work in jobs and different things, um, but I I work harder and better in my job if I really like the owners and um, totally. the managers and I like the gym and um and if I have some sort of connection to it. or I was going to say that comes down to connection. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I work at a gym and it's just like any other gym kind of thing. Um, but I really like my boss and the owners. I think they're great people. So I care about rocking up to work and doing my best. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what I mean by that is, you know, um, like if I do something, I want to do it well. I'm not going to rock up and, um, you know, do a bad job. Um, totally. And it, like, if I'm doing a speaking gig and I'm getting paid for it really well or if I'm doing a speaking gig and um, I'm doing it for free, I um, am doing it because it means something to me and I'll do the same level of work for either one kind of thing. Oh, you're a born speaker, mate. You'll be doing speaking gigs for the rest of, for the rest of your life. I put money on. So I'm really fascinated to know, like, a day in the life for you, one, competition time, so I imagine that involves a shit ton of running, Training, so like the lead up, like if you've got something, I imagine you're already focused on something. Is there something coming up for you? Um, actually, this is the first time that I'm kind of taking a two second break. Like oh. I arrived home, I had the Grand Canyon race three weeks ago. That finished. That was two hundred seventy-three k. Yeah, amazing. Grand Canyon, mate. It's on my bucket list. And it was probably the best I've ever raced. Um, <sighs> like Iceland and the Grand Canyon, I finally was injury free. So through the other five, yeah. I was. Um, pretty badly injured. Yeah. Would um, you say your Achilles heel like blows up and um, stuff? My plantar. I yeah. ruptured my plantar fascia. So it was brutal. And uh, so to race in these last two with no injuries and actually be able to give it a good crack, I, um, yeah, I really surprised myself and I was so stoked and I really enjoyed it. So 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 if you were, say, come, so you're going to do, are you planning on any competitions next year? Um, So then, yeah, like San Fran got back uh, and then a day later I raced in the 100K race. Um, As you do. Just a cheeky hunch. Just, <laughs> I'd never done a single stage 100K, so I wanted to see how it went. Um, and, yeah, next year I'm doing um, another – I'm doing the New Zealand 323K again. And what I've, part of New Zealand? Um, it's the South Island, so it's Mount Cook to the ocean. Oh, so it's going to be, like, effing stunning. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh. I've always said I would never do an event twice, but this one is my first exception because um, it was just – Unreal. Beautiful. And I did it injured last time, so I'm hoping to go back and kind of do really well. Um, yeah, and enjoy that. it, not worrying about your pain and stuff exactly. like that. So, yeah, so my question is what is the day in life when you're prepping? So fast forward to next year when you'll be like the lead up, like, yeah. the, like the months kind of leading up to New Zealand. 
competition, it's the way you described it, it's like you get up at five, have your oats and water, you're literally moving the body until you fall fall yeah. in a heap yeah. in base camp, yeah? Yeah. Is that pretty much? And then just a normal day. So now you've got this break, like it's Christmas time, it's going to be your birthday, all this stuff. Like, yeah. So maybe, yeah, give me a day in the life when you're prepping for something. Yeah. And then day in the life, I've written here, normie. Normie. <laughs> My norm. Um, so totally. day in the life, um, normal day in the life. Well, normal day in the life and prepping day in the life are kind of the same. Um, okay. I will always kind of keep training just because I love it. Yeah. Um, and so I've been back at the gym working this week. So I get up at about 4, 10 a.m. And 410. Yeah, 410. Wow. It's a little bit of a shock to the system. Um, <laughs> and then I work, you know, there's two gym classes. So I work, I'm done by just before 8 a.m. And then I'll usually train for an hour or two, maybe on the exercise bike. Mm-hmm. Um, then I might have a meeting or do some emails. Mm-hmm. Then I'll probably go and do some recovery. So I'll sit in the sauna, in the infrared sauna. Or How I'll, good are they? Uh, so good. Love yeah. them. Um, and because you can watch Netflix too. To I haven't seen the Netflix. Well, I can take my laptop or something. Do you ever go to Melbourne? Uh, yes. Oh, no, Sydney, you're here a lot. Um, look yeah. up Nimbus and Co and Bondi and you literally sit there. They they give you uh, – so the speakers are hooked up to the sauna yeah. and you pick on Netflix before you go in what huh. you want and then it just sits in the drawer of the sauna but on the outside so it doesn't F up. That, that sounds really nice. Oh, my God, the 45 minutes, boom. I feel like it's mental training for me, though, sitting there with sweat just with myself for 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But the Netflix totally sounds true. more fun. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit when I discover the Netflix hack – I didn't turn back. Yeah, look, I don't think I would either. <laughs> no, no, it's so good. Okay, sorry. So you have the recovery um, in the sauna. Recovery, yeah. So train, usually emails, have some food, um, and then maybe some recovery. And then I'll probably try and train again for an hour or two in the afternoon. Okay. Um, and then usually back to work again um, from 5 p.m. till 8 p.m. But wow. I'm struggling with the um, – when I work, like the mornings and the nights or then the night and then the next morning – um, if I work till 8, 8.30, mm. I don't get home and wind down and get to bed till, you know, 11 o'clock yeah. and I'm back up at 4 and so I get sick really easily Yeah, because my body's in recovery and um, so I'm kind of easing off on the gym shifts a bit because yeah. it kind of holds me back from doing the other stuff more and training more and whatnot. You know, it's only yeah. a two-and-a-half-hour shift but it's still – Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, a lot of energy. A lot of PTs understand but people who aren't trainers are like, oh, it's only two and a half hour shift. No, 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 no. You but, need it. Also, this is your career. Yeah. You know, this is your baby. Like yeah. you need to feed it. So it's a kind of a weird phase at the moment between getting enough income from sponsorship yeah. and still working at the gym a little bit because I do love it and I love yeah. like being around the people yeah. and everything um, and the members and then kind of, yeah, just it's a weird balancing act at the moment, figuring out where I'm at with things. And you'll totally find that balance. And you find even with me, like I know for what I do, it dies December, January. So yeah. I'll sometimes pick up some yoga teaching. Yeah. So you just, you be, I just become really like, my um, manager calls it really nimble and kind of like flexible with it. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, I'm in a phase where like, Today, someone said to me, oh, can I come and see you in clinic as a nutritionist? And I couldn't tell you the last time I practised in clinic because I just don't, I'm not in one spot long enough. Yeah. So just go with it. Yeah. Like, and there'll be times where you've got like a month where you're like, hey, it's like quietened down for me. I can work and then I can, you can almost make your training kind of like not malleable to work, but you can kind of like make the two work together. That's kind of, yeah, where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's fun. fun. It's good, yeah. Um, and I guess with my birthday and stuff coming up, 
Weirdly enough, like I had a I had a really fun night out in Vegas after the Grand Canyon oh, good race. Because I Vegas had, awesome. I've not been yet. Um we had like a classic like wild night out. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way to do it, right? So we're like piecing everything together the next day. And I hadn't had a big night like that in months. So it was super fun. Um and but honestly, like I I love running so much right now and I really want to improve at that. That for me, um, like drinking less is kind of just something that I just want to do. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like I'm giving anything up. But I will be yeah. I will be honest, I have got a diet coke addiction right now. Oh no, so bad for oh, you. I know. Bloody America did it to me. Oh yeah. Artificial sweet it's better to drink real coke. Artificial it's sweeteners shocking. are so bad. But like the real coke is too sweet for me. There's a um, there's a really cool company in Australia called Remedy. Mm-hmm. They're not a sponsor. I'm just telling you about them. And they've just bought out a natural, like, healthy cola. I love, like, Remedy Kombucha and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but they've I just love... bought out their cola now, mate. Kombucha was my thing before I went away, so I need to put down the Diet Coke and come back in. Absolutely. It's not healthy. So it's no, got an artificial sweetener in it that can cross the blood-brain barrier. It's into oh. heaps of, like, brain, like, we're talking Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, yeah. tumors, crazy stuff. Oh, my gosh. Put it down now, my friend. Anything that says 951-951-A, 955-958, I'm not to get nutrition and science on you, but, like, no. I'll be writing to you next week and I'll be like, please tell me you haven't I don't know when it started. Yeah, it's highly addictive. I think it was when everyone started drinking vodkas and champagnes around me. I was like, oh, I'll get a Diet Coke. And then during the desert races on the rest day, they'll give you a a treat of a Coca-Cola. And it's just like when you're running that much, it's like the one thing you crave. I don't know why. It makes sense. It makes sense. But honestly, having the sugar is better for you than having yeah. that, especially because your body would be burning the sugar off. Like just look at like straight energy. Yeah. So it's not yeah. such a bad thing. I can't believe how fast our time together is going. I, I um One last thing and it's two last things. First thing, out of everywhere you've been, and I feel like New Zealand might be the answer, where's your favourite place you've been? Grand Canyon. Yeah, man. Yeah, Grand Canyon, the town of Kanab. And, you know, I've travelled a lot. I've been to Europe and everywhere. And America was always at the bottom of my list. I was like, oh, it's just a bigger version of Australia and it's just like whatever. Nah, America's cool, man. So cool. And there's so much religion. I loved learning about the religion. Really? Like I was in Salt Lake City for a bit and, um, you know, it's where I think the highest amount of uh, Mormons live. Yeah. And I actually uh, got to meet some uh, Latter-day Saints. And, Dude. Um, yeah, just the whole religion thing. Like, I'm not religious myself. But just but, fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. Well, and kind of like they were awesome. Anthropology and social human behaviour. Like, it's pretty cool to learn about the Super way humans. Cool. I think as well like being a public speaker and also you're doing something that's extreme like your human behavior is extreme in yeah. a good way yeah yeah yeah. so when you learn about religion you're just learning about other people's belief systems yeah it's pretty cool it's yeah amazing and, and america cool like knowing like what works for one person doesn't need to work for another yeah yeah for sure sorry i cut you off america um like you can be in i was in new york and then i'm in Kanab in utah and then i'm in salt lake city yeah. and then las vegas so and, and yeah. Fran- like it's and, but they're also different it's like yeah. you're going from a different country to the other oh man yeah so good um my so my lucky last question i want to ask you is just like you're so young you're so successful you're chasing your dreams you're taking no prisoners along the way you're just like <laughs> in ayurvedic medicine we would call you pitta i'm quite pitta too yes i know i know these terms from my yoga have you been told you were pitta yes uh, i can't remember i think i was mainly pitta with a little bit of something else 
Well, either we are strong, so kafas are strong or vatas are flighty. Yeah. And when um, they get don't like wind, I'm vata as well. Like I can't handle wind, I get all. And, like, if I ever go on juice cleanse, I'm like, I'm just going to meditate. I get really vata and, like, a fairy. Yeah, yeah, Vata's yeah. a fairy. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I haven't it's heard so that. So interesting. Your pit, your, your pit are like 99% though. I'm strong. Yeah, pitter. yeah. I love it. I love learning about it all. I could talk about it, it all freaking day. Um, so anyone that's listening that's just like either a little bit lost or like I don't know what my goals are, like you're yeah. 24, you've got your shit together pretty young, you've had your lessons really young or your failures, so to yeah. speak, um, what would your advice be to someone that's just a bit like, ugh? I think the issue is and where I was stuck was for ages um, kind of I'd be brainstorming. I'd be like, maybe I want to do this, maybe I want to do this. And I'd have all these ideas and then everyone around me, you know, I'd chat about it with my parents or my friends or whatever and they'd just come up with the reasons why you can't do it. You know, oh, I might try yeah. this job or whatever. And they're like, yeah, but then you can't do it this and that and yeah. all the negatives and stuff. And I think for me I was like, well, I 100% know that I love running 5K. And I was like, I like doing that every single day. So I kind of just dove in head first and I wasn't like quitting my job or anything like that. So you don't need to like uphold your whole life. Mm. But whatever it is you kind of think could um, be your passion that you really want to do, like start doing a little bit of each yeah. day. And, you know, like if you want to have an online business, which so many people want to do, but, you know, it's like how can I do that? Everyone wants to do that. But like, you know, you don't need to um, – you don't need to necessarily be competing with other people. Like there's so many things you can do out there. So if it is that, then do an hour or two of it every single yeah. night and you don't know it may work. Um, so I would just say start doing it. Like I love that. I love pretty much your message is like find the thing you love and do it every day. And do it, yeah. And you don't need to, yeah, quit your job or quit nah. what you're doing. But like I still, I spend, everyone's like, oh, she just runs and lives her best life. But I spend hours every day emailing and yeah. like writing different things and figuring out what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so like there's all the behind the scenes stuff that, you know, people don't see. But yeah, just go and do it. <laughs> I love it. You're incredible. You're such a champ for coming on and chatting with me. I could talk to you all day long and I cannot wait till our paths cross again. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Jackie Bell. You're incredible. Thank you. Bye. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Music.